switch over here. You got, got me switched now? Okay, there we go. About a third of our Bible was prophecy when it was first given. And much of the prophecy has been so accurate that the scholars and those that would scoff at our Bible uh, want to rewrite the Bible and they want to make them books of history rather than books of prophecy. And the reason for that is so very simple. Only God could prophesy some future events that accurately and that regularly. I think uh, uh, Gene Dixon had about a 5% success rate. How many are old enough to remember Gene Dixon? Uh, she was the quote-unquote witch who prophesied the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Uh, that was her claim to fame. And... Uh, she was right that time, and the newspapers all over, everybody. Uh, but is it that hard for a Bible-believing Christian to understand someone who had contact with the demonic world to be able to get a message from a fellow demon that something was going on? I mean, that's, that is not that hard. And uh, uh, certainly those plans were not made in five minutes. Uh, things were talked about and were known in the spirit world, and Gene Dixon happened to get one right out of, let's see, 5%. So what does that work out to? Five out of every hundred times. Um, that's, uh, that does not quite match God's demand for accuracy among his prophets, does it not? And uh, Nostradamus and all of these other great quote-unquote prophets, uh, it's interesting that... Uh, uh, as uh, Joseph Smith claimed to be copying divine prophecy and history of all of these people groups, the ten lost tribes of Israel that lived in North America as the American Indians, uh, every opportunity for there to be any corroborating evidence disproves Joseph Smith and what is in the Book of Mormon. Uh, he cannot find one fusible link, we might say. Uh, that's an automotive thing. When you start it up, the wire burns in two if it's not correct and nothing works. But he doesn't even have one of those. I mean, everything is a total short circuit with Joseph Smith. There's not one shred of proof, not one point. And yet, in the Bible, it talks about people that lived, we can see their names, and we now understand why we have such a difficulty with Egyptian history. Is because when the new dynasty came in, they erased all of the names in history and put their names in there. And so, the idea that the Bible says that these cities were built, and the critics want to say, but that Pharaoh didn't reign for another, you know, all this time. And listen, if there's one thing we know about Egyptian history, you can't trust a name in it. Uh, because they have rewritten their history to fit the new dynasty of kings so many times that not even the Egyptians know what really happened. Yet we can trust this book. Isn't that amazing? And there are prophecies that 
people could know. The Jewish people knew where the Messiah was going to be born. They knew the family that he was going to be born into. In fact, uh, when Jesus was an adult and in his ministry, they said, You're Jesus of Nazareth. You were supposed to be born in Bethlehem. Well, they had a problem. Luke hadn't been written yet. And so they couldn't check the records. But if they had gone to Bethlehem and checked the records in Bethlehem, if they'd just been honest enough to do that, they would have verified that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The Roman tax records would have agreed with that evidence. And if they wanted to check many things, they could have. But you see, the underlying truth is that if you're going to believe the Bible, if you're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to have something. It's called faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to understand this book called the Bible. Some prophecies are hidden, and God has told us where they are. The prophecy of the murder of the babes, of the baby, of the children in Bethlehem. Uh, I challenge anyone to be able to uh, find proof or prove to me that they could determine that that passage in Jeremiah was talking about what would happen as Joseph, Mary, and the young child Jesus went to Egypt and Herod wreaked his wrath upon the inhabitants of Bethlehem trying to stomp out the birth, uh, the life of the king of Israel. So we come to the book of Revelation and last week we did a whirlwind push through all the future events. And I don't want to repeat that again tonight. But in verse 3 of Revelation chapter 1, I want us just to look at an application here, something that we're supposed to get. I, I have, uh, by continued introduction here, I've met many people who claim to be experts in prophecy. And every so often I'll, I'll get uh, a notice from some preacher, I, I preach prophecy conferences. And uh, they immediately go in, my daughter smiling at me, she knows exactly where those things go, right into the trash can. Uh, because I don't want to have a preacher in here who's just going to try to bedazzle you with wisdom and special insight that he's the only guy smart enough in the world to come with. We need to know how to live. And prophecy in the Bible is given to us to encourage us to live for God. That's the if you use prophecy in any other way, as well, who's the Antichrist? You don't need to know. Bible doesn't tell us. Stop worrying about who that is. And let's read Revelation chapter one, verse three. It says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. So, let's look at this verse. It, it says there's a blessing here. Blessed are those, and here's how you get the blessing. Number one, you got to read. Daily Bible reading schedules. Um, we, we need to work on that. We need to strive there. But not only do you need to read, you need to hear. What's the difference between reading and hearing? 
Reading is the note that mom leaves on the countertop saying, please wash all the dishes from supper before you do your own thing tonight. Hearing is looking at that note and actually washing the dishes. Reading is just reading the note and saying, Mom's not here. I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to do my own thing, and then I'll come back and I'll... You see, that's the way we live our Christian life so many times, is it not? We read, we know what the Bible says, and say, well, you know, I'll just... Uh, I just got to get this last episode in of, of this series, and and then I'll give up TV. Uh, we we got to watch what we're doing here. It says, read and hear and keep. Now, that's the tough one. Now, I'd like to know how you're supposed to keep seven seals and how you're supposed to keep the vials and how you're supposed to keep the trumpets. Those are the judgments and those are the prophecies. How do you keep those? Well, obviously you can't because you won't be here when those things are going on. Amen? Uh, But how about the letters to the churches? Are there enough things to keep in the letters to the churches to last you a whole lifetime? Amen? How about the different passages in the midst of the prophecies where it talks about they loved not their lives unto the death. They, they kept the, the words of Jesus Christ. It was talking about the 144,000. We can't be part of that 144,000 because we are saved. We are here on this earth. Those were Jewish men that will be saved during the tribulation period. And uh, often when uh, I meet a Jehovah's Witness, if they want to start talking about the 144,000, I just say, uh, which tribe of Israel are you? And they look at me kind of weird, and I say, well, here, just read in your Bible. I said, it's in your Bible too. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Dan. Now, I want to know which tribe you're from. You see, your guy messed up. He doesn't understand his Bible at all, and if he's so careless in something so simple... I'd like to challenge you to check out how much other things your founder and the people who run your faith are careless about when it comes to the Word of God. The most important of which is the deity of Jesus Christ. You see, we are to read, we are to hear, and we are to keep the words of the prophecy. Not everything we can do. But there's enough in there to do to last you five lifetimes. Problem is, you only got one. And so, let's get busy with the things. Uh, I just want to just stop at one place and, and remind you of this. This is uh, the verse with which uh, we named the church. This is the verse that's on my heart. Our our church has been here a long time. We're no longer a baby church. We cannot claim that anymore. We can't claim being a teenager church at 27 years. Uh, we, We are as much of a church as we're ever going to be. And so, here's what we need to do. Verse 7, And unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, 
He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength. Is it okay to have a little strength? The Bible says, yes, it is. We, we do not fight the world in which we live. We serve the Christ who saved us. It says, for thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. If there's anything I can do with my life, that's what I want to do. I want to keep his word and I don't want to deny his name. How about you? Uh, that That's pretty good life direction, is it not? And if we'll do that, He will protect us. It says He'll keep us from the... Uh, uh, verse 10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Uh, I believe that's talking about the tribulation period. Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. If you want to know why I am animated or uh, just so concerned about staying the path, staying on the truth, it's because of this passage. It, It says, hold fast that which thou hast. We don't need any new things. We need to be faithful where we are. And we're going to have enough trouble doing that. Amen? And so, uh, we look for the promises that are here. We want to read here and keep. Now, let's go to Revelation chapter 22, and I'll try not to be long tonight. Revelation chapter 22. And in this last chapter, we're going to hear a repeated theme. We're going to hear words. We're going to hear prophecy. And we're going to hear book. And so let's just start in verse 6 and read through the end of the chapter and then pick up some points here. And it says, And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See that, see thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments and they that, that they have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. 
I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water, take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. John now echoes, Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The last chapter of the Bible. And what we want to do is, is I'm just going to break this up into different directions that are given here. And we're just going to go back through. First of all, we understand, and starting in verse 6, God is certifying the truthfulness. He is guaranteeing the veracity or the ability to trust in these things. Verse 6, And he saith unto me, These things are faithful and true. So, uh, these we, we can trust the words of God. They are faithful. They are true. God himself. The God that gave Isaiah, that gave Moses, that gave Enoch the prophecies that we have quickly reviewed these last few weeks. He has sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. We can trust the words of the prophecy of this book. And um, we come down here to verse 13. And it says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This is Jesus making a statement as to his authority. The Alpha is the first Greek letter. The Omega is the last Greek letter. Uh, and Jesus said, I'm the beginning. I'm the end. I am giving you prophecy. Verses 18 and 19 gives us the strongest warning in all of the Scripture. You mess with the words of this book, and you are bringing God's wrath upon you. This is why I spend time trying to help understand. And if you question and have questions about why we are so strict on Bible versions, it's because of these verses. You take away the words of this book, verse 19, and God says, I'm taking your name out of the Lamb's book of life. That leads us to understand, and this would be completely fitting with all the rest of Scripture and not contradict one verse, that God has written in the book of life the name of every human being that has ever been born. It is only when you reject Jesus Christ that He blots out your name. That he takes that name out. When you have crossed the line of God's mercy. When there is no longer any hope. 
For most of us, that is death's door. If you die unsaved, the angel goes to the book of life and finds that name. Could you imagine how much knowledge that angel must have to record the tens of thousands of deaths every day and go through that book and keep God's book perfectly current so that the book of life lists only those that have the opportunity for eternal life. And once you die in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are certified for eternal life. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Add to the books, the words of, the book, of this book, and what's it say? God's going to add to you the plagues that are in this book. Now, if you're going to have those things added to you, it might be in your best interest to find out what those things are, wouldn't it? And, I mean, those are terrible and horrible plagues. I mean, certainly anyone with any lick of sense at all, as we would say uh, out in, uh, uh, in central Pennsylvania, if you've got a lick of sense. Now, I'm, I'm not sure how much sense is in a lick, uh, especially if it's a steel pole in the middle of winter. I mean, it just takes... Uh, uh, don't do that. Uh, it, your tongue will freeze right to the pole... And uh, it could really, really be painful uh, to uh, get it loose. But do you want to take a chance on having these plagues added to your life? I mean, you want to wonder why so many horrible things happen to so many people? Maybe it's because they're messing with the Word. We, we need to be careful when we need to take that warning. We need to read here and keep these things. These are God saying, these words are my words. They're not to be messed with. You have the responsibility of either accepting them and obeying them or rejecting them. That's where you come in. That's what prophecy is all about, to teach us that we can trust God's word. Now, we look here at the invitation that are in here. And uh, look at verse 12. It says, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. Look at verse 17. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, and the bride, that's the church, say, Come, and let him that heareth. Say, come. If you've heard the words of the prophecy of this book, if you've read and heard them, then you have the responsibility to keep those words and tell other people and invite them to partake of that water of life. But that's not all who's giving the invitation here. It says, and let him that is a thirst come and let whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Jesus is giving the invitation to whosoever will. When we as preachers use that phrase, it's coming from this passage right here. Whosoever will. The message is to all the world. There's an invitation in this passage. And as it's talking about the words of the prophecy and, and the veracity of, the, of these words and uh, 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 I, I, uh, Jesus is certifying in verse 20. I skipped that one. It says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. 
Uh, Jesus said, we don't have much time. Now, you've got to understand something. God's clock does not work like our clock does. 2,000 years, nearly. Uh, my, my whole life, I've heard preachers say, nearly 2,000 years. Well, right now, in 2019, we're only 14 years away from 2,000 years of the crucifixion. If Jesus doesn't come back, I expect to be here in about 14 years. I uh, hope I am. And want to see that date. Want to talk about 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven. Uh, I, I think that would be very uh, interesting to be alive at that time. Oh, that means Jesus is coming back in, in 14 years. No, it doesn't. We don't know when He's coming back. Part of me hopes that He comes back before that time. Amen. But in God's time, it hasn't even been two days. I guess that's pretty quickly, isn't it? You can't get City Hall to move on two days. In fact, our lawyer told us trying to get the Attorney General to approve this sale could take two months. Uh, and and uh, I'm hoping and praying it doesn't take that long. We'll be talking about that during the prayer time. But listen... This is the God of heaven. We, he's still got 14 years on two days. If a thousand years is as a day and a year, uh, and a thousand years, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. God's time clock is God's time clock and it is quick in his time. And so, uh, we've got some commands here. Look at verse six. It says, these things are faithful and true. And the Lord sent his prophets to show his servants. Verse 7 tells us, blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I love verses 8 and 9. John has just overwhelmed the the prophecy has finished. He has actually survived everything that God wants to show him. And just remember that at this point in time, we are roughly 70 years after the ascension of Jesus. If John was 20 years old, he would be 90 now. And he had been kept alive all of this time. If it was 75 or even 100, uh, he, could, he could easily be a hundred years old at this point in time. We do not know. And he just falls down to worship the angel. And you could just see the angel grabbing him by his collar and picking him up. See thou do it not! He said, I'm one of your fellow servants. We don't know which one he was. God said it was his angel. He said, I am among those that worship God. And I am, uh, what does he, how does he describe himself here? He said, uh, I am of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. So, if we understand this correctly, this was, uh, this man that showed uh, John, this angel, as Jesus called him, was one of the Old Testament prophets. And he is claiming brotherhood with the New Testament apostle. And he gives a command. Worship God. Think about that. 
You know, we do a lot of things in this world, do we not? I remember graduation week at Heartland, there was a preacher there, and he said, let me give you graduates just one bit of advice. Always move toward ministry. Well, that makes sense. If you're going to serve God, move toward ministry. Worship God. Uh, it reminds me of the, uh, the words that uh, Captain Sullenberger's first flight instructor gave him. He said, no matter what's going on up there, remember... Fly the plane. And that's what he did and saved 155 souls, including his own. we got to remember something, folks. Worship God. Worship God. These are the commands that are in here. Verse 10 says, To seal not the words of this book, To keep this book open. To pay attention. Verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do. Once again, verses 18 and 19 say, Don't mess with the words of God. Then we have the benediction. Verse 20. Amen. John says, Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And all God's people said. There are some things to do with prophecy. There's a reason prophecy is in the Bible. There's a reason God tells us about things that we have no way of really understanding how they are going to be fulfilled. We just know they're going to be fulfilled. We've got plenty to do. If we will just pay attention to the commands that are in the Scripture. And no matter what is going on, would you ask God to give you grace, presence of mind, to remember, worship God. All God's people said, let's pray.